Connect and impact. Connect with people based on things they can relate to. Impact their lives with the supernatural power of God. Disciple new believers. Teach them God's truth. Train them in spiritual disciplines. Connect them with Christian fellowship. Equip them to serve. Teacher, teaching people how to have faith in God. And on, and on one occasion, uh, this is in Mark chapter 11. Uh, on one occasion, he, uh, as he was just passing by, along with his disciples, he did something really out of the ordinary. He saw a fig tree and he cursed the fig tree. Good for nothing fig tree, whatever. He was expecting fruit on the fig tree, just cursed it. And uh, the next day as the disciples and Jesus and disciples passed by, they saw the fig tree completely withered, gone. It's gone. And, uh, you know, the disciples said, Lord, look at the fig tree that you cursed. It's gone. It's withered away. And at that moment in Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, Jesus used that to teach his disciples something about faith in God. So, uh, you know, we can uh, speculate a lot of things on why did he curse the fig tree and all of that. But uh, at the very basic level, he used that as an opportunity to teach his disciples about faith in God. And this is what he told them. Mark eleven twenty two. he said, have faith in God. And then he said, look, whoever, therefore, will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and will not doubt in his heart, but believe that whatever he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. That's it. Now, should we take the words of Jesus seriously or should we say, man, like, that doesn't work in our day. You know? We've got laser beams, we've got x-rays, we've got MRIs, we've got CD scans, we've got all that. You know, Jesus, that was for your time. Or should we take his words literally? Do you think his words still work today? I think his words are eternal. I shouldn't say I think. His words are eternal. His word is truth. For all time, for forever. His word is truth. And what did he say? He said, if anyone will speak to the mountain, tell it to move, and will not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says will come to pass. He will have whatever he says. That's his words. It's truth. Now when he says speak to the mountain, obviously he's not referring to a physical mountain, but things that are in our lives, things that are obstacles, hindrances, challenges, you speak to it and it will move. And Jesus demonstrated that on other occasions. There was a time he was in a boat with his disciples and there's a storm came. And what did he do? He did exactly what he taught his disciples. He spoke to the winds and the winds. Now, how can you explain that scientifically? Can't. But there's a God who knows the laws he designed, the laws he created. Even the unknown laws, the laws that we don't know in our natural realm. He knows those laws. And one of those laws is, if you have faith, you can speak to anything in this natural world. You can speak your faith to those things. He knows that law. And that's what he revealed that to us. He said, if you have faith, you speak to the mountain. You speak to the winds and the waves. You speak to the sickness and disease. You speak to your bank account. Mm. You, speak, <laughs> you speak to your job situation. You speak 
to things around your life. You speak with faith in your heart and what you say will be. He knows the laws he designed. Amen? And that's the law of faith. This is how you exercise your faith. And so I want to encourage all of us, you know, when we stand up and make our declaration, don't do it as just another routine thing. Okay, this got to go, and then the sermon comes, and then the prayer comes, and then I can go home. No, it's not just a routine thing. It's, it's expressing our faith. Amen? So let's do that as an expression of faith. Because I believe this in my heart, I'm going to say it, and maybe everything in my life right now may not agree with what I'm saying, may not be in, in alignment with what I'm saying, but I'm still going to say it because that's the desired outcome that I want to create in my world. Amen? Let's stand up to our feet as we make our declaration this morning. We believe in our heart, and so we speak it. And Jesus said, you will have what you say. So hold your Bible high up in the air. Let's say this together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved. Healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am. In absolute surrender. In Jesus name. Amen. Say hi to the person next to you. Give them a good smile. Get to know their name. And you may be seated please. Alright. Last Sunday. We started talking about. How to win souls. And make disciples. And what we are doing is just placing in our hands four simple strategies on how to win people to Jesus and how to disciple them. Simple strategies, simple things that all of us can do. And the reality is, all of us are called or have been commissioned by God to win souls, to win people to Jesus and to disciple them. All of us. So put your right hand up and say this with me. I'm a soul winner. I've been people to Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. I'm a disciple maker. I disciple people to follow Jesus. We're all called to do that. We're all called to be people who will win others to Jesus, disciple them, help them follow Jesus and walk with Jesus. And so we're just talking about Simple studies. How do you do this? How do you win souls to Jesus? Now, for those of you here last Sunday, here's a pop quiz. What did we learn last Sunday? Invite and pray. Very simple. Invite them, pray for them. And let God do the work. Let God touch them, uh, touch their lives. And, and many of us sitting here, our lives have been changed because somebody else invited us. Somebody else took the initiative, took the risk, took the step of saying, hey, would you like to come to church? Or would you like to come to this meeting? Or would you like to read this book? Or they gave us a tract, something they did. Uh, uh, Or they invited us to a movie, a Christian movie, right? 
and it exposed us to Jesus and it changed our lives. And so uh, we are now followers of Jesus Christ. We're disciples of Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at a second strategy, how we can win souls and make disciples. And for this, we're going to use the passage in John chapter 4, the, um, uh, the uh, account of Jesus speaking to a woman at the well in Samaria. We're going to read a, a rather extensive passage, John chapter 4, we'll read verses 1 to 43, and then we're going to draw some lessons from this passage. And now this passage, the scripture is not in the PowerPoint, but you could just follow, read along or follow along in your Bible. John chapter 4, I'm going to read from verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied from his journey sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. We just pause there, look at the map. And uh, if you see the map there, you see the districts of uh, uh, Palestine of that day. You see Judea way down in the south. And you have the towns of Judea, you have Bethlehem, Bethany, Jerusalem. So Jesus is moving from Judea. And he's going up north to Galilee. And in order to get to Galilee, he's got to go through Samaria. Right? So just normal. He's passing through Samaria. Now, it's a three days journey walking from Judea all the way to Galilee. And uh, uh, it could be about his, uh, on the second day, he's come to Sychar, that small town. And you see a little red dot there, if you can see it. Uh, uh, that's... And on the outskirts of that town or that city of Sychar is Jacob's well. So Jacob, from the Old Testament, he dug a well there. People are still using it to uh, collect water. So Jesus has been there. It's about 12 o'clock in the afternoon. It's hot. So he comes and sits by the well to rest. So we pick up the rest of the story here. Verse 7. And the woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him. And he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So you can imagine now, this woman is now having a picture going through her mind. Wow, I've got a, I'm going to have a well built inside of me. You know? And I just don't have to come back here you know, to draw water. And so she responds, she says, sir, that's a great offer. I'll take it. Give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Verse 16, Jesus drops a bombshell. He says, 
Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said to her, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to a woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they were shocked. They they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, Who do you, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went away into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ or the Messiah? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food To eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another. Has anyone brought him a McDonald's or Burger King or what? Then he said to them. My food is to do the will of him. Who sent me. And to finish his work. Do not say. Do you not say there are still four months. And then comes the harvest. Behold I say to you. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life. That both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now after the two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. So here in this story, in this account, Jesus interacts with this woman. Her life is totally changed as Jesus interacts with her. And not only her life, but the lives of many other people in her town, in her city, are also affected and changed. What we want to do is just draw some simple lessons on how Jesus interacted and what what went into this whole interaction and, and use that as as, as, um, use, that, use those lessons as we seek to win souls and make disciples for Jesus. So what lessons can we draw here? The first thing is this, that 
Jesus engaged with this woman on something that she could relate to. Now, he didn't go to her and say, lady, I am Rabbi Jesus. <laughs> She'd be like, what's that? You know? He didn't go to her and say, have you heard of me? She's going to look at him and say, who are you? you know? He just began to speak about water. There was a well. She'd come there to draw water. And maybe he was thirsty. He wasn't faking it. You know? He was thirsty, maybe. He'd been walking a long time. He's tired. He's sitting by the well. And he speaks and says, you know, can you give me some water to drink? And then he engages in a conversation around that theme of water. Something this lady could relate to. Something she's, she's, she's come there uh, to, 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 to draw water. So the first lesson is this. Connect with the people. Engage with them on things that they can relate to. Talk to them about what they like. Or what they like to talk about. Or what they are interested in. Or what they find easy to talk about. In this case, it was about water. Start talking about water. So assume you're on a flight, you're sitting, got in there, you've got your tray table foods being served, somebody sitting next to you. Don't turn around and say, I'm a Christian. <laughs> you know, start talking by, you know, just ask, what, are you, what are you interested in? And this person may say, where do you work? What's your name? What do you do? And this person's going to say something about what they work and hopefully you know something about what they're doing or you just pretend you know something. And just engage in the conversation about what interests them. Start talking about it. So assume this person you know, works for the uh, WHO and, and, and he's involved and maybe, or, or he's working for some organization. They're involved in you know, uh, dealing with poverty uh, across the world. And so he talks about, starts talking about, you know, this is what we're doing. Oh, pretend you're interested, you know. Or just engage in a conversation. It's always good to learn, even if you don't know anything about the subject. Ask questions. Start engaging with them on something they can relate to. Talk to them. Perfectly fine. The second thing is this. You find Jesus pressing past things that could have inhibited him. First of all, he was really tired. He must have sat down at the well and said, finally get a place to rest. Sitting there. And then he sees this woman coming. Oh no. (laughs) I just want to have a break. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to rest. I'm sure all of us uh, you know, have, have, have had those moments when we're just tired. We don't want to talk to anybody. So that, the very fact that he was tired could have inhibited him. Just held him back. Say, hey, cool. Let this woman come. Let her draw water. Let her go. She mind her business. I mind mine. Stay quiet. <laughs> that could have just held him back. Or the other thing. He was Jewish. See, she was a Samaritan. The Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. We don't talk to each other. We don't get along. It's like, India and Pakistan when the cricket match is on. <laughs> or India and Bangladesh these days, you know. We don't get along, you know. So, just, just leave each other alone. You know? So, Jesus, that could have inhibited Jesus. He could have just said, oh, she's a Samaritan woman. I'm staying away. Or, another thir- a third thing was the fact that he was a man, just a g- gender difference. He was a man, she was a lady. And I better not engage in a conversation, hey, because my 12 disciples are on their way back. And if they see me talking to a woman, it's going to be a big scandal. Right? It'll be the headline news next day's paper. So I just look the other way, protect myself, let her do her thing, and everything's going to be okay. 
So that could have inhibited him, just held him back. But we don't see Jesus holding back. He reaches out. He opens up the conversation. He takes the first step to talk to her and say, can I have some water to drink? And then he continues further and starts talking to her uh, about water. So the second lesson is this. You know, there may be times when uh, there are many reasons why we would hold ourselves back. Uh, why we would feel inhibited. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, there could be just uh, differences in our, uh, our educational differences, social differences. Uh, all those kinds of things that would hold us back. But push past it. Later on in this passage, Jesus explains why he spoke to this woman. When the disciples come to him and, you know, and, they, and, and they start talking to him, Jesus says, you know, and they say, you know, Lord, come on, why don't you eat? He begins to talk things like this. You know, I've got food that you don't know anything about. And they ask him, what's it about? And then he says, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. So now he's saying, look, Guys, I want you to understand something. My sustenance, the thing that motivates me, the thing that gives me, uh, that inspires me, is doing the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. I'm here. Why am I talking to this woman? Why am I breaking past these inhibitions? Because I want to do the will of the one who sent me. So why is it that you and I can get out of our comfort zones? Why is it that you and I can get out of things that inhibit us, that will hold us back from talking to people about Jesus? Here's one good reason. We want to do the will of the one who has commissioned us. What is his will? The Bible says, this is the will of God who, this is good and acceptable in the eyes of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. This is God's desire. He wants everyone to be saved. And come to the knowledge of the truth. And so that pushes you and me. Past things that would inhibit us. Are you with me so far? And then Jesus goes on to explain. Other reasons why he stepped out. He says. Don't you say there are four months. And then comes the harvest. Look on the fields. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They are white already to harvest. So he's saying look. People are harvestable. People are ready to be harvested. You just got to look. And so in this situation, he sees this woman as somebody who is ready to be harvested, ready to be brought in to the kingdom of God. So as we meet with people, as we interact with people, look at them as people are ready to be brought in to the kingdom of God. And then he, he goes on to explain something more. He says, you know, he who gathers... When we gather, we are reaping fruit for eternal life. Meaning, in doing this, I am actually gathering fruit that is going to be eternal. I mean, this is about eternity. This is about getting people into eternity. I'm gathering fruit for eternal life. This has to do with eternal things that motivates us. And then he also talks about, he says, you know, I sent you. Uh, He says, one man sows, another reaps. I sent you to enter in, to to labor in areas where you have not sown. Others have labored, you have entered into their labors. Meaning this, that there are times God will use you to sow, and there are times God will use you to reap where somebody else has sown. In the case of this Samaritan woman, it's obvious 
So somebody else has sown seeds in her life. Why? Because she, in the conversation, she says, hey, you know, we worship on this mountain and, and you Jews are worshiping on that mountain. Can you tell me where I'm supposed to really worship God? So that's been going on inside her. And you also see that somebody has told her that when the Messiah comes, he's going to teach us everything. So somebody has already sown into her life and she's, she's come a little ways on that path of, of knowing spiritual things. And so Jesus is saying, I'm just here to reap of what somebody else has. So. so sometimes you may sow into other people's lives and somebody else may reap the harvest. Or sometimes other people have sown in their lives and you're there at that moment just to reap the harvest. You and I, we don't know. But we are all co-workers in this process of gathering fruit unto eternal life. Are you with me so far? Is it getting complicated? You understand? Right? It's very simple. So the point is this, that look, I need to break past inhibitions because people are harvestable. People can be brought into the kingdom of God. Because we are gathering fruit that, 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 that matters for eternity. Because the way God works is sometimes he may use me to sow something and somebody else reaps it. Or sometimes somebody else has sown and I'm, I'm there. God has set this thing up for me to reap it. I just need to respond. So when you and I come across these opportunities, divine setups. It was not an accident that while Jesus was sitting by the well, this woman comes by. It was not an accident. God set things up. It's not an accident when you're traveling on a flight that somebody is sitting right next to you, who, who that person is. It's not an accident. God's setting things up for you. Or maybe you're, you know, you're shopping at the mall and you're, you've had a bad day. You can't find the dress you really wanted. So you're upset and then this friend passes by. Now you have a choice. You can go on in your grumpiness or you can say, this is a setup. I spent the whole day and I bought nothing. But maybe I'm here in this mall for that person. God set it up. So it's not about whether you bought what you wanted. Maybe that one life that needs to be gathered for eternity. Or maybe for you to sow something into their life and somebody else will reap it later on. But we need to respond to those moments that God sets up these interactions. Are you with me so far? So Jesus engages, number one, he engages in a conversation that, that she can relate to. Secondly, he breaks past inhibitions. And the third thing we see Jesus do is he steers the conversation towards spiritual things. He starts talking about water and then slowly changes and says, you know, I know of water, which I can give you, which if you drink, it's never going to stop. It's like I can fit in you a fountain and it's always going to keep springing out. And if you, keep, if you drink of that water, you will never thirst again. How about that? She's like, where are you from, Aquaguard? Or, you know, <laughs> where are you from? You know, what's this new sales pitch? <laughs> what's going on? But she says, yeah, that sounds good. Can I have this water that you're talking about? So as you're engaging with people, as you're talking with them, steer the conversation to spiritual things. Talk to them about what they think about life. What do they think about Things beyond everyday things of life. Steer the conversation towards spiritual things. So that's the first step that we are learning today. Connect. And then the next part of this whole process is Jesus shocks her. That's what we call as impact. He impacts her with something that is out of this world. 
He impacts her with the supernatural. So what happens? Jesus tells this woman, can you go call your husband? So the whole subject's changed now. It's gone from water. It's gone from water that will, that, that, that will never run dry, that you'll never thirst again, to something so close to home. He says, can you go call your husband? Now, what I want us to understand is, this part of the supernatural being released sometimes uh, can, 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 can get very complicated, but I just want to make it very simple. This was simply what we call a gift of the word of knowledge. The simple gift of the Holy Spirit. A gift of the word of knowledge. Now, remember when Jesus walked on the earth as a man, he ministered under the anointing or the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there are many scriptures on this. Uh, for example, when Jesus began his ministry, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for God has anointed me to do this. That means I'm doing this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Or Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good. So the ministry Jesus did on the earth, his earthly ministry, was a ministry empowered by the Holy Spirit. When he walked as a man, he did not walk in his divine attributes of omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence. He left those aside in heaven, Philippians chapter 2 tells us. But he walked as an ordinary man. He was not omnipresent. He had to travel by foot or by donkey. He, he was in one place at a time. He was not omniscient. He didn't know everything. That's why he said, you know, when his disciples asked him, no, tell us when the, when the signs of you, when you will come. He said, of that time and hour knoweth no man, not even the son of man, but it's, from, it's with my father. Even I don't know about that. He was not omniscient. And he was not omnipotent because as a man, when he walked on the man, as a man, he was tired. God doesn't get tired. Omnipotence doesn't get tired. He had to sleep. God doesn't sleep. So he walked as a man. He did not walk in these divine attributes. He left them aside. And when he walked on the earth, he walked under the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's why you and I can do the works Jesus did because the same Holy Spirit has been sent to empower you and me. Are you with me? It's getting a little theological here, but it's important to understand. So when Jesus was speaking to this woman and saying, go call your husband and beginning to reveal to her something about that aspect, let us understand it was a gift of the word of knowledge. The gift of the word of knowledge is simply, simply God revealing to you certain aspect, certain information about a person. That's it. And it's a gift accessible to all of us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this woman says, you know, I have no husband. Then Jesus says, you've had five husbands. The man you're living with is not your husband. And that was a shocker. So like, does this man have access to my email account? <laughs> Maybe, you know, Tim Cook gave freedom to break into my iPhone. <laughs> and he knows all my secrets, you know, whatever. How does he know it? She was so shocked, she didn't know where to put her face. She was like, jump in the well, run left, run right, what do I do? And so, now, but she immediately got herself together, and now she became very spiritual. Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. I have some spiritual questions, you know. And she begins to talk about spiritual things. But, and so she asks, you know, uh, on which, where do we worship? You, you know, we worship here on this mountain, and you Jews say that we have got to go to Jerusalem to worship. Where are we supposed to worship God? So she has some questions. And somebody may have triggered all of this thinking in her. So Jesus is harvesting of what others have sown in her life. And uh, Jesus says, 
You know, you worship God in spirit and in truth. It's not about the place where you worship. It's how you worship him. Then she asks another question. Somebody has shown into her life and told her that the Messiah is coming for the Jews and he's going to speak the truth. He's going to uh, guide us into all the truth. So she says, you know, uh, I know when the Messiah comes, uh, he's going to teach us everything. And Jesus says very simply, I who speak to you am he. And at that moment, even though the scriptures don't say it, her heart embraces Jesus as Messiah. Because what does she do next? She goes into the town, to her city. She tells the people there, come and see a man who's told me everything I've ever did. And that was not true, right? Jesus didn't tell her everything she did. He just addressed one simple part of her life, which to her was her whole world. This area of love, of relationship, of marriage. And that was her area where she was having so much pain and, and she had gone through five husbands. Here's now she was living with a man who was not even a husband. That was her world. And so when Jesus touched that one area of her life, it seemed like he was touching her whole life. And she tells them, come and see a man who's told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? So in her heart, she's embraced him as Messiah. And she's inviting others to come connect and impact. So let's say this together. Connect. And impacts. So when we connect, we just relate to them on things that they are interested in. Break past our inhibitions. And begin to steer things towards, steer our conversation towards spiritual things. Impact means ask God to help you release something supernatural into their lives. It could be a simple prayer. You pray a word of knowledge, a gift of healing, a working miracles. And God wants to use all of us. To do that. So could you raise your right hand with me and say this with me. God wants to use me. To impact lives. With his power. I'm a vehicle. Of God's supernatural power. God wants to use each one of us. And I want us to believe that. Take simple steps. Simple things you do. That can actually impact somebody else. With the power of God. There are many scriptures that bring this to us. And I'll just refer to. Maybe two passages in John 14 verse 12. Jesus said this. These are his own words. He said, he who believes in me, the works I do, he will also do. And greater works because I go to the Father. He says, those who believe in me, they'll do the works I do. They will do the things I do. And even greater things. So let's just step out. He said it. Now let's act on it. Let's just step out and say, Lord, just use me to do what you've done. Use me to bless people. I'm not saying that every time we're going to see spectacular things happening, but at least let's step out and say, make ourselves available saying, God, use me to deliver your supernatural power into this person's life. Use me, God. Because he made that statement. Those who believe in me, the works I do, they will also do. So you're a believer. He wants to use you. Another scripture passage in Mark 16, verses 15 through 20. In verse 15, Jesus said, you can just flip the slides if you can. In, in verse Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said, go into the whole world and preach the gospel to every creature. So he says, go take the gospel. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Who de- he does not believe is condemned. And then he says in verse 17, these signs will follow those who believe. Those who believe. 
In my name they will speak with new tongues. In my name they will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So he says these, these things will happen to those who believe. Not just the pastors, but each one of us. So put your right hand up. I want to make sure you believe it. So put your right hand up. Say this with me. These signs follow me as a believer. In Jesus' name, I cast out devils. I lay hands on the sick and they are healed. Supernatural things happen through me in Jesus' name. Because I'm a believer. Very simple. He didn't say these signs follow those who graduate from Bible college. <laughs> these signs follow those who believe. You're a believer. So take the risk. Just step out. Sometimes it may even mean like doing some silly or crazy things. I remember sometimes, I know, uh, there's one of those times when you're in the airport. I was in the airport and I saw this man sitting right across. And I don't know what kind of a condition he had. He was always jerking and moving. So I realized something's not right physically. And it was getting close to boarding time, so I knew I had only a few minutes. So I went right up to him. I said, you know, uh, excuse me, sir, um, I I know you're having this problem. I don't know what it's called. uh, But I believe in Jesus, and I believe that Jesus heals people who are sick. Do you mind if I pray for you? Now, most people will not reject a free prayer. I mean, there may be some who would stare at you or think you're crazy, and that's okay to shake the dust off your feet and go on. (laughs) That's what Jesus said. I just want. But most people would welcome it. And so here was this guy, he said, sure. So I just prayed with him, and that was it. And I just said, Lord, you know, do this, and pray for healing. And it was time to board, so we got up, stood in line, we went in. And when he boarded the aircraft, we ended up sitting next to each other. Right? So now I've got more time to talk to him. So I started engaging, what do you do? He says, I run casinos in the Philippines. Great, you know. I'm a manager. I oversee five, six casinos. We do all these. I've just come home for a holiday. I said, wow, I'm a great person to talk to, you know. And, and just began to share about Jesus. It is an opportunity, a short flight, an hour's flight, but got to share with him. That I gave my business, my uh, church business card. I said, you know, here, uh, I'm a pastor. If you want to reach out to me, you can reach out. That was it. So sometimes God may use you to sow into somebody's life. Sometimes God may use you to reap when somebody else is sown. In this case, I think I was just sowing. I didn't see any results. I didn't see him, you know, fall down on the aisle and accept Jesus. And none of that happened. He went his way. I went my way. But many months later, I get an email from him. Just thanking me for that little meeting. Just thanking me for doing what I did. I was it. And I, I don't have any inter- connection with him, nothing. But it was just an opportunity. Step out. Connect, impact, let God find, do, the, do the work. So, number one, invite and number two, connect and just do whatever God tells you to do. Any way that you can impact somebody's life with the power of God. You can even ask them, you know, can I pray for something in your life? If God tells you to pray about a certain area, say, you know, can I pray about this area in your life? Are you going through some financial problems? Can I pray for that? Just pray. It doesn't matter. You know, you, sometimes we are so spiritual. We say, can I pray? You know, can I pray for God to help a sinner? Of course. Every person Jesus healed before the cross was unsaved. Every person for whom Jesus did a miracle, the 5,000 he fed, they were not all believers. None of them were saved. Every miracle Jesus did before the cross was for people who were not saved. And he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he will do those miracles. Even if people don't go to church, even if they're not saved, just step out, impact their lives. Just say, God, use me. To impact their lives. Now, in this case, 
in the case where Jesus interacted with this woman. He didn't have much time. He was on his journey all the way up to Galilee. Uh, he spent two days there. And uh, through this one woman's life, many others in that town, in that city of Sychar were affected. They come to know Jesus. They also believe in him as the Messiah. But then Jesus continues. He moves on on his journey. So in many cases, that's our interaction with people. We, uh, we may not have much time with them. We, we share Jesus with them. We connect. We impact. And then we leave the results to God. Saying, God, you, you take care of them. We move on. But in many other cases, we have the opportunity to actually continue in interacting with people. You know, if there are people in your school, your college, your workplace, uh, your neighborhood, other, other, you know, other places where you uh, visit, you, you have the opportunity to continue interacting with them. So once we get them to believe in Jesus, it's important for us to also disciple them. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Right? So it's not enough for us to just say, you know, come believe in Jesus. That's important. But we need to take the next step and help them become disciples. So I want to talk very briefly, very quickly. Four things we will do to disciple people. How do we disciple them? How do we get them from just believing in Jesus for who he is to becoming committed followers, disciples of Jesus Christ? Where they are firm in their faith, nothing's going to shake them. They're able to journey through life uh, and live their life as believers of Jesus Christ. How do we disciple them? Four things here. Number one is to teach them God's truth. And we'll explain each one very quickly. Second is to train people in spiritual disciplines. Third is to connect them with Christian fellowship. And fourth is to equip them to serve God. So teach, train, connect, equip. So when we talk about teaching God's truth, we need to teach them some of the basic things about the Bible. We have as a resource available to us, as a, a resource available to us as a church, we call it Foundations. It's available as a book in print form. It's available. The videos are available online. Uh, the MP3 files are available. All of it is available to us. And we're running the Foundations class Sunday mornings, 10 to 10.30. Now, this Foundations has 14 lessons. We start with the very basic, like, who is God? What is the nature of God? We talk about salvation. We talk about forgiveness of sins. We talk about how reading God's word, prayer, those basic things. So we need to teach new believers these basic things. Teach them God's truth. Uh, Teach them about what a baptism. They need to be baptized. Jesus said, after you believe, you need to be baptized as a believer. So teach them about what a baptism. Uh, As a person who believes in Jesus, you need to be be baptized. What What it means. It's in this book. Teach them about the Lord's table. We partake of the Lord's table. So teach them God's truth to establish them in their faith. Know what they believe and why they believe it. Secondly, we need to train them in spiritual disciplines, which is about taking time to pray personally, about reading God's word for themselves, about living godly lives. These are spiritual disciplines. You train them. Now, this is something we do one-on-one. Each one of us as disciple makers we engage with that person one-on-one. You spend time, you meet them you know, once a week or meet them on a daily basis or however you interact with them. You meet them and then you work with them through this. It's not going to happen in a day. It may take several months, but you journey with them through this. Disciple them. Teach them God's word. Train them to have spiritual disciplines and then connect them to Christian fellowship, which is, you know, you get them to come to church if it's possible for them 
or to a life group, a home group. Get them to come to meet with other Christians or other believers. This is part of what we're supposed to do. So you encourage them to do that. And then lastly, equip them to serve. That means you, you, you bring them to a place where not only they believe in Jesus and they know the truth and they are practicing uh, spiritual disciplines and they're part of a church community, but they're also serving God. Show them how to share Jesus with others. How they can go and tell other people about Jesus. Share them with them what the gospel is. What is the message you're supposed to share? Uh, talk to them about the empowering of the Holy Spirit, how they can be baptized in the Spirit, so they can be empowered to be witnesses. Uh, get them to serve in the local church, to help out in any way they can in the local church. And encourage them to go on missions. It doesn't matter even if you're a, you know, you've been a believer just for six months. Go on missions. Go and serve people in other parts of our nation. Uh, go and serve people who don't have access to what we have access to. And just bless others. So four simple things we can do to disciple people. Teach them God's truth. Train them in spiritual disciplines. Connect them with Christian fellowship. And equip them to serve. And engage with them at a personal level. The best way to disciple somebody is one-on-one. Yes, we do have foundations classes. You know, people can come there. Yes, we do have church service, all of that. But just one-on-one. You spend time with that person one-on-one. That's the best way to help them grow into what God has for them. And we can all do that. We're all called to be disciple maker. Amen? Can we do that? Right? So, today, connect and impact. Let's stand to our feet, please. We close. Let's just pray together and uh, ask the Lord as we stand here this morning. Let each of us just ask the Lord and say, God, help me to win souls and make disciples. I know all of us have different vocations in life. We are doing different things in life. But in all that we are doing, let us all engage in winning souls and making disciples. So can each of us just pray and say, God, help me to win souls. Help me to win souls for the kingdom. Help me to disciple people to follow Jesus. Help me to do this, God. Father, we just thank you for this time this morning. Things that we are learning, God. And how we can win souls and make disciples. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll ignite every heart. Ignite each of us. Empower each of us to do this, God. I pray you will set things up and help us to recognize divine opportunities. Divine setups. And help us to step into it. Engage with people. Push past inhibitions and impact their lives with the power of God. Holy Spirit. I ask that you will use each one of us to release the power of God to bless other lives. We thank you, God. We pray that you'll use us to reap a great harvest for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's close. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think or imagine. According to his power that's at work in each of us. Unto him be glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Connect and impact. God bless you. God use you greatly. Have a good Sunday. God bless. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources.
Thank you for listening and God bless you.